This podcast is for CAD managers in their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with every day as they manage and mentor their CAD team, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and welcome to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. You're listening to a special episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. I am your host, Eric DeLeon. This episode has been several months in the making due to COVID, schedule conflicts, vacations, and me moving my family from Oregon to Texas during this past summer. And I'm excited to finally get this episode recorded. Before I formally introduce my guest, yes, I said that correctly, uh, I have three special guests that will be joining me today on this special episode. So I'd like to share a little backstory um, real quick about that. So back at the end of 2020, or maybe even before that, uh, the topic for today was weighing very heavy on my heart. With all the recent elevated headlines the past couple of years with the Me Too movement um, and still the need for equality in the workplace, and recalling stories that have been shared with me by former coworkers and friends in regards to harassment in the workplace. Um, some of the stories from the 80s were, were very interesting and brutal. Uh, barriers and professional advancements compared to male counterparts and other challenges in the workplace due to being a female professional in a male clustered industry. It, it's crazy, it's 2021 and we're still talking, still fighting against and still dealing with this. As a girl dad, I hope that my girls are able to be successful and be able to make professional advancements without these things lingering over them or happening to them. But unfortunately, with the way things are still trending within our culture, they're probably gonna face this in some form. So if you you can't beat them, and in this case, we definitely don't wanna join them, then I believe you have to arm yourself with knowledge and how to make the most of the situation what to look out for, and how to maneuver around these challenges. This backstory is a premise for this podcast episode, which I am coining, which I am coining the Women Leaders in CAD Masterclass, where my guests today um, are female technology leaders, which I'm hoping will share their stories and insights about their journey to management in hopes that it helps aspiring CAD, BIM, technology female professionals that want to climb the corporate ladder. If you are looking for female leader role models, I believe I have three of the best in the business joining me today. And if you are, and if you have been active in the CAD BIM Autodesk community, I am positive you have heard of their names and know who they are. I'd like to welcome Stacy Morgan, Giselle Howe, and Danielle Savatello back to the CAD Managers Confessions podcast. Thank you for joining me today. To get this started, um, Please tell the audience, and I'll start with Stacy, who, who you work for, how long you've been in management, and what do you do? Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks, Eric, for the introduction. Happy to be here. Uh, my name is Stacy Morgan. I have been, uh, I currently work for Gannett Fleming. I've been in this industry, you're going to make me date myself, uh, for about <laughs> 20, 25 years. Uh, so um, what was the other question that you asked? 
How long have you been there? How long have you been there and what do you do? Yeah, so I just I just celebrated my one year anniversary here at, at Gannett Fleming. And um, what do I do? I am the engineering for one of uh, the engineering technology managers here responsible for the horizontal infrastructure portion of Gannett Fleming. Great, uh, Danielle. Thanks, Eric. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, I'm Danielle Civitello. I currently work for KLA, which is a very small sustainability firm um, here in the US where we are focused on helping local governments um, deal with climate change, you know, and figure out how they are going to be more resilient against climate change and, um, you know, what actions we can take to reduce climate change. Um, so, you know, no small task there. <laughs> uh, what do I, um, I've been here uh, actually only a few months and you're probably all thinking uh, that doesn't sound a lot like CAD stuff. Uh, so I'm currently the director of technology at this organization, uh, but it's been an interesting journey to go from, uh, I started as a civil engineer and then worked through into, um, I moved into leading the, uh, the technology that our designers were using. So I was my title wasn't a CAD manager or BIM manager, but that's essentially what mostly what I was doing. Um, but then I started also getting into other kinds of technology while I was doing that role. And that's how it led me into my current job. And I've been in the industry about 13-ish years. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Giselle? Thank you for having me today. My name is Giselle Howe, and I've been in the industry for about, let's say, 11 years now. And my background is in manufacturing and the intersection of that manufacturing with design in regards to BIM and CAD. So I've been in CAD and BIM management roles for probably, I think, seven or eight years. And currently, I am the senior BPM platform integration manager for ENG Works Global. Yeah, that has to fit on two business cards. Or <laughs> but uh, basically, I function as like a project manager. I work with many different clients. And since I have that manufacturer kind of background, I'm able to relate to the manufacturer clients. So we can uh, get these projects to fruition and, and really blend those disciplines uh, to get better outcomes. So that is what I do. Yeah. Okay, great. And again, the re reason why I... I admire um, you know all of you and and the reason why I picked you also is because you know they're different walks of life right you guys have different journeys you guys are in different places working for different firms so I'm really excited to get into these questions and hope again that if you're a up-and-comer uh, young woman professional that listen to this podcast and you're looking for people to model or look for or look for advice I again I think these ladies definitely are ones to look out for. Um, as we get started with the questions, if we can kind of go around with Stacy, Danielle, and Giselle, kind of keep that rolling. Once I get done with Giselle, I'll roll into the next question. So my first time doing something like this. Uh, so hopefully we don't uh, step on, each, you know, talk over each other. Uh, so let's kick this off. Um, was it always your career plan to have a leadership role? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to answer no. <laughs> I don't think so at all. How about you, Danielle? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, 
No, I, I think like for me, I always struggled with career conversations because um, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a leader. Uh, and I think some of that was due to like just maturity. You know, it's like at that age, when I was younger, I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of responsibility. <laughs> um, so, I, but I think the other thing is, it's like for me, it's, and for I think many women, it's hard to see yourself in a position um, when you don't typically see others like you holding that position. So, you know, it just feels like this insurmountable challenge sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think most of it was honestly, it was just maturity level. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do any of that. But now I think with, with age and experience, I feel a little bit better in this role. So I'm really glad that Stacey and Daniel that you say this because I, I thought I was going to be the only one saying no, it was not necessarily the plan because, well, for one thing, I see leadership as like a servant leadership. Like you're you're serving the needs of the team, you're trying to make things better, you're trying to get things like tools that, that the team needs to succeed. Uh, you're gaining insight, you're learning. And I guess for some reason in my mind, I didn't see that at the time as like something that was leadership role because I was thinking, well, it's such a big deal. This is this big thing with people's careers in your hands and all of that. So I really didn't see it as something part of the plan. But I guess with how I see things, it, it did kind of lead to the role that I have now. So uh, here I am, you know. <laughs> but real quick, so Danielle touched on it real quick. So for Giselle and Stacy, I mean, again, being in the industries that we're in, um, was there not a lot of um, women? I mean, there, obviously there's gonna be women leaders in every organization, but did you have not a lot of good examples or people that, that modeled what potentially you could be within your respective journeys? Not at all. Not, okay. uh, and, and, and you know, that's honest. Like that, there's, there was very few, if, if any, female role models in this type of position um, to help me advance. and. and you know, I've, I've had many women who've inspired me and contributed to my growth and success, but I haven't had any really help me prepare uh, for this current role. So, I mean, I've been in this industry for 20 years. I, I think uh, most of my promotions, if not all of them, are primarily through male bosses and, and champions of, of my expertise. They were great allies and really outstanding leaders and individuals, but there's just some things they could not teach me because they weren't female. Uh, you know, for example, they didn't have to um, routinely like prove themselves or that they deserved a seat at that table. So um, where I had to show that I belonged every single time that I advanced. So you know, many females and, and women in our uh, position and other positions spend their entire careers code switching or learning to read the room and seeking allies with urgencies where their male counterparts just kind of neither shared that or noticed that and just never had to go through it. So um, I feel like women ha have to learn to build credibility uh, from an automatic deficit there. So, you know, to answer your question, matter of factly again, Eric, no, yeah. there, was, there was no female um, leaders like that or for any for in my career that I could look up to in this type of position. Yeah, great answer. So we're quick though. So when, obviously it's not, 
it's it's a challenge, right? Like you said, to kind of like I like like I, I like how you said, you know, you found the champions that really were the champions of your expertise, right? To help you be a champion for you to move and get those promotions or those advancements. Yeah. Um, you know, just real quick, what was like because obviously, I mean, I know how it is. I mean, I've had my own challenges, not like that, but challenges of trying to advance and not having those champions and having, you know, those some of those opportunities. Sometimes I had to bust down the door myself, right? Through whatever hustle, will, strategy, trying to, you know, ex get a special experience um, and know-how. What was the mindset, I guess, like when you, again, and I, maybe you guys can all three can touch on this, just that mindset of when you know you're like, you're, you're, you're in the disadvantage in the others in the room in some cases. I'm stubborn. So okay. if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> if, if, if you're giving me that vibe, like you can't do this, just sit down. I'm going to show you otherwise. So, yeah. and because I'm stubborn, that that's my personality type. Um, so how about, how about you ladies? What was the mindset? Uh, <laughs> I think I, I, I'm stubborn as well. Yeah. I, I, I think I knew early on that I just had to like work, work, work. And this is not, I don't, I don't love that answer because I don't want people to fall into that category either. I think, I think there should be a, I think we need to have a, a more equitable works workplace where folks don't have to work twice as hard, three times as hard, whatever, to be taken seriously. And, and, and um, uh, but that's, that was what I did. I made myself almost indispensable from the beginning. And I said, you're going to value me. Um, and I, I did that by working a lot, by, you know, taking on other people's tasks when they fell short, which was also frustrating because then you're like, why is this person skating by? And I, and then you, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, well, if that was me, I wouldn't be getting this opportunity just to just skate by here. You, you recognize that there's different criteria for what makes you promotable <clears throat> and what makes you a valuable um, at the time I was an engineer. So what made me a valuable engineer at the time um, was different. And I just real quick going back on uh, the, what you had said earlier about something like, oh, there's obviously always women leaders. There's not always women leaders. And, and I think Stacey made that point clear. And, and I'll just to touch on that. Uh, this is my 13th year of being a professional. And it is the first time I've ever had a female supervisor slash boss ever, ever, ever. Wow. So yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> All right, Giselle. Okay, so mindset is a big deal because I think I've had to experience a little bit of a shift over the years. So I was one of those kind of students in school where you put in all the work, you get the A's, like you do it. You know, you put in the effort, you get success. But in my career, I've seen challenges where that's not black and white, really. Like you really do have to kind of have a mindset of, how do you make things happen, you know, anyway, like you're putting in the effort, right? But sometimes there's other things that are in play that sometimes don't result in what you're thinking is going to happen anyway. So in terms of mindset, I guess I am a bit stubborn too. And so I look for ways to really 
you know, I build the case. I have data to back stuff up. I, I get buy-in from multiple people affected if I'm trying to, uh, you know, have an initiative and, and you know, make something go forward. I, I really try to build this case to show that, look, we, we are doing this, you know, and we're, we're, we have something that would benefit a company or a cause or something like that. Because simply just putting an effort sometimes just doesn't result in what you think it's going to do. I think it's, there's a shift in the mindset that needs to take place in order to show that, yes, you are valuable. Yes, you have the place to be here. Yes, you deserve to be here. You have the credentials and everything to prove it. So, but it takes a shift, in my opinion. Yeah, and like I said during the intro, I mean, that's, I'm, it's just crazy, right? It's just crazy how we still have to, we still have these discussions and people still feel that this way and that we have to deal with it. I know this is reality. And again, that's why I'm hoping that somewhere through all of this, that anybody listening can hopefully be inspired because uh, obviously it's not going away anytime soon and we're still going to have to deal with this and fight it and um, be stubborn as we approach these things. Um, so as a leader, how do you empower others on your team? This is to me again, isn't it? I forgot. I forgot the, the, the circular I was sharing. Sorry, guys. How do I empower others on my team? Um, I think I'm empathetic because I understand because I was there, right? Um, and I try and listen uh, to their ideas and not shoot them down. So e even though I'm stubborn and and uh, I, I do feel like I'm a little bit more open-minded to hearing new ideas and um you know, letting others take the lead on that you know regardless of what their skill set if they feel confident and they're like yeah I, if they're honest and say yeah I you know I could use some a little bit of help along the way I'm not entirely confident about this task then I'm certainly there to help them along the way and encourage them um but I don't try and like micromanage and and nitpick at every single thing and just let them learn the same way that I do. Nice. Thank you. Maybe we'll see a theme here because I had a similar some similar thoughts on this. Yeah, so I, I don't uh, I actually don't currently have a team of folks that report to me, but I am a leader at my organization and I do need to inspire folks and, and empower folks. Um, especially when you're talking about technology and change management and things like that. So um, I can talk a little bit about how I do that. And I think what I try to do mostly is I try to lead a lot by example um, so that folks know that you're not asking them to do something that you wouldn't do. Um, and another thing is I, I was, yeah, listening, I think is a huge thing. Um, especially again, like when we're talking about making some changes. So listening to what others' concerns are so that I can build solutions that are relevant to them um, and useful for them because anything else comes across as pushing your own personal agenda on them. Um, and I think lastly, um, I, my personal style is I try only to be as serious as necessary. Um, otherwise, I try to make it a point to have fun with my messaging, to make it as accessible as possible. And, um, uh, and I think it's important to allow your personality to come through so that you can build relationships with folks that you are working with. Um, and I just think that, I don't know if that's necessarily empowering folks, um, but I, I don't know. I think it's how I choose to relate to people and, and show them that um, 
that you can have a personality and still be in a leadership role. <laughs> As Daniel was saying, I, I don't have uh, any direct reports actually myself, at least not in an official sense. So I do have that that kind of, uh, I don't know if I want to call it a challenge or or something, but it's it's more of like you're trying to inspire people that really don't report to you. They, they have no obligation to really do anything for you. So you really have to try in that sense to, to get someone aligned and, and with that. And so one of the things that I really paid attention to over the years was my communication style and how I interact with various uh, different people because people, they, they communicate differently. They have excellent expertise in their areas that I do not have. I will have expertise in other areas or maybe in an integrated kind of sense, but I'm often interacting with people who have a really in-depth knowledge. So when I try to empower my teams of people, you know, working on projects or something that I happen to be managing, I, I have my communication style as one where I am always asking for input, I'm asking for insight. I am using phrases like, what would you recommend in this case? Would you recommend doing this? Would you recommend this? Um, here's an issue that came up. Uh, what would you think should be the next course of action here based on what I'm kind of seeing? I try to really involve the team into the actual path going forward because in my case, it's really a collaborative kind of leadership. It's not this dominant kind of thing. It's just what does what's going to benefit the team going forward and what's going to make people feel like they're owning uh, the solution as well, like they're, they're owning what's going on. And I think that results in better engagement, especially if these people don't report to me anyway. You know, they, we got to get the buy-in and have everyone moving forward in, in such a way that that everyone likes what they're doing and they're going forward towards the same goal. Sometimes that's more difficult, right, Giselle? Right? Because people yeah. don't report to you. You have, you have to work twice as hard to be uh, influential. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, uh, I've been in the CAD management uh, roles before where it's, you know, you hear the phrase, all the responsibility, but no authority, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to get that buy-in, you know, like tech projects risk, failing miserably without buy-in. So you got to work for it. I think that's just what it is. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh man, great answers. And I think I, as myself, I, as I try to empower my teams, the ones that I'm responsible for, the ones that I'm collaborating with and the ones I'm trying to get buy-in, great advice because that's, <laughs> you know, we all have different obstacles when it comes to like, you know, either managing a group or collaboration or trying to get the buy-in, right? And like you guys all kind of said is, you know, always keeping an open mind, listening to new ideas, um, trying to get that, I think by allowing, um, you know, kind of having that, you know, maybe not so serious approach and having kind of fun with it to that extent where you can, you know, you become approachable, right? Especially for those groups that you don't manage. Um, you know, if you're just coming off of my way, the highway, and, you know, because I'm in that position right now where I have to socialize stuff, I'm trying to get buy-in, trying to seek out, seek out information, seek out advice. Um, you know, even though I've been doing this for 20, almost 20, 24 years now, um, you know, still a lot to learn.
right? Still a lot to learn and the perspectives that everybody brings, which makes it an exciting work environment. It can be an exciting work environment, um, knowing that, you know, we all have different, different views and different perspectives. Eric, if I can just jump in real quick here, because yeah. you said something that reminded me, you know, I think the other thing is if we're bringing this back to um, leadership styles for women, I think part of the personality thing, at least for me, is we don't get the benefit of being, what's the word I'm looking for? There's, there's a word that men get that's like good, assertive, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then with women, there's this little thin, thin line. And then when we cross it, we are, I don't know the word to say it without I, I, I know, swearing, I know you're but it's hard to the B, uh, you know? So I think that there's, you know, there's that as well, where it's like, we're always, and I think Stacy touched on this, Giselle touched on this, like, we're always having to think about, like, how do I get my point across and be assertive without crossing that line so that now I'm this, like, impossible person to work with which i'm not but that's the perception once you cross that line it's very hard to go back oh it's hard to come back yeah very hard to come back yep is that just due to the perception now that yeah. that that people have of you and your work style and your quote unquote attitude right it feels the guy being a problem man that guy's assertive he's taking charge right he, he knows what he wants. Yep. <laughs> I just think it's, it's just funny because, you know, when to, for myself, I actually work, I mean, I work, obviously I can work with all sorts of teams, but I think I've thrived the best um, when I've had a, a, like a, like a, like a female manager or boss. I don't know what it's always, what it is about that, but the ones that I've, I've always um, connected with the best and how we've been able to move initiative forwards. Maybe it's the, that maybe, maybe you guys can speak to this, um, you know, maybe the dynamic, the dynamic of the differences, you know, when they're, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, when they're together and we're on the same page, I think we're able to hit the different sides, right? The female perspective, the male perspective, just the different creativeness that everybody brings. I don't even think it's, I don't want to say there's a line, just anyway, but for myself, I'm rambling here, but it's just interesting that, that. For myself, um, it seems like I've always had great experiences, um, you know, working with the bosses that can be assertive in some regards. Um, so how do you develop confidence as a leader? Stacy? In myself or others? I guess that's what <laughs> In yourself, right? Because you're, because we're talking, you know, and the reason why I like this one is because again, we're in these industries, you're in this work environment where, you know, if you allow it, which I know the three of you, you know, you guys don't take, you guys mean business. You guys don't let it get pushed around, right? But how do you get that confidence to do what you do and to try to continue to push the envelope of, you know, technology, of best practices, of your own career advancement? Where do you develop that confidence in an environment as, you know, that we currently have? I, I, I won't lie to you and say that it doesn't it doesn't fail at some points, right? In in my career, that there haven't been some ups and downs where I don't question my own confidence. Like, can I really do this? Is this really the right path? What am I doing here? That sort of thing. But I feel like um, having a good support system, uh, both 
internally where you work and at home helps with my confidence, right? Like my, my family is a great confidence booster and confidence builder. And, um, I, I think that they, when I do get down or when I think like, this is, you know, I, in high school, there was a, one of our teachers who used to always call it stinking thinking when you're like down on yourself and you're just not feeling very confident. He calls it stinking thinking. So in my house, when people are stinking thinking, we go above and above and beyond to try and like get them out of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that, that, that has certainly helped um, industry recognition has certainly helped those individuals uh, that were ahead of me and who gave me those promotions and, and were champions of, of my work um, and gave me that recognition definitely helped. Yeah, those are all oh, that's so all great answers. Stop copying, Danielle. Stop copying. I'm not copying. <laughs> I, no, I'm actually. I was thinking I, I, on this one. I was like, oh man, I actually went a different route. But those are all true too. So I'm glad you said all of that. Um, yeah, uh, you said something also that reminded me of um, what imposter syndrome, right? I think it's something that uh, women tend to deal with a little bit more. Uh, this idea that like we are in a situation where maybe we're not qualified for and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I, do I deserve this? Should I be here? You know, that that happens, I think more. And there's some stats too. I wish I had looked it up about the difference between men and women in terms of um, looking at job descriptions. And like, I think women feel like we need to have like 100% of whatever is listed on there as the requirements. And I think with men, it's something like 40. I don't know. I'm like throwing numbers out here. Someone please fact check me. But it's it's a very, there's a stark contrast between like what we think of as like, yes, I could do that versus men. But, um, but going back to the question, um, how do I develop confidence as a leader uh, for myself? I, I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier about just trying to be myself and because I'm not going to feel confident if I'm not myself. So I, I'm taking out that piece of like trying to be someone that I'm not um, and it, taking away some pressure to be perfect, um, I think is also in there as well. And and like on a more tactical note, I like to observe um, you know a lot and look for qualities in people that I admire so that I can try to emulate those. Um, and I think also just staying as like educated as, as I can, you know, continually learning, um, getting different perspectives on things. I think that has also helped me be um, more confident as a leader. Um, and especially if you know any of the work that I've done around uh, speaking around diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think that as well leads into that, you know, that's, that's an area where I've had to build a lot of confidence um, in speaking about that too. Which was a great class, by the way. So shameless plug, Danielle. That was an awesome class. AU, what, 2019? Look it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that one. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Stacy. I think Giselle's up. Yeah, so developing confidence as a leader. So as I said before, there was a little bit of a shift I think I had to go through because, um, you know, early on in my career, I wanted to have all the right answers, have everything prepared to the nines, go in, have everything. But I think a shift had to take place to develop confidence as a leader. And that is 
embracing things that you don't know the answer to, or that you uh, are embracing things where you are uncomfortable compared to, you know, being comfortable. So it's really, for me, in developing such a thing like that, I try to be more adaptable these days. I, I try to embrace things where there are unknowns or things I don't know. So when I do that, I think of it kind of like this uh, protractor idea. And I got this from a book on imposter syndrome, actually. So if you are not sure about a situation and how it's going to go, the idea is that you have this protractor, right? So the zero degree thought, and there's 180 degree thought, the zero degree thought is like, this is going to go terrible. Everyone's going to hate me and they're going to laugh out everything. I'm going to have to leave the room. 180 degree thought is like, everything's amazing. You know, ponies, rainbows, the ceiling just drops with confetti. You know, that's what you're thinking. Just completely different sides of the spectrum. But neither of those are very realistic. What's mostly going to be realistic is somewhere in between. So if I'm going into a situation where I might not feel as confident, I think of the protractor example because I'm thinking, well, it's not going to be terrible. It's not going to be this amazing whatever. It's most likely somewhere in between. And I embrace that. I go in with curiosity. I go in with something where if I don't know the answer, I will say, I don't know, and I will follow up with you. And if there is something where I know the answer, I can back it up with data. I can tell a story about it. I can do that sort of thing. But it's all about embracing that, that realistic uh, aspect of it. You're not trying to be perfect. You know, you're, you're trying to embrace imperfect circumstances with what you have. You're, you're thinking on your feet. You're embracing that. You have the information in front of you. You make decisions based on what you know of and what you, you will find out. And it's really, it's that shift going from thinking you must have the right answer to having a, a more complete and, and broad and uh, holistic view of things. Really just embracing that to build more of the confidence. Because if you're comfortable being uncomfortable, I think it gets a lot better than just trying to be, you know, perfect all the time, in my opinion. So when you guys talk about imposter syndrome, pressure, um, the, I guess, the pressure to perform, pressure to be perfect, there, when, I, when I, coming from your perspective, I, I guess twofold. One, is that due to the, you know, is that due to not having the right skill sets or feeling that I could be better equipped, educated, skilled? Or is it that you compare yourselves to the male counterparts? I'm just curious if there's anywhere blurred, you know, that line gets in there where, you know, that makes sense? Some of it, but I think like Giselle's point earlier, where in, in college, in school, you study, you get A's, you succeed. Right, but in 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 this industry and in this, I work hard. We did, but you don't always succeed, and that is where a lot of that imposter syndrome comes from. For me, again, where it's like, well, why didn't I succeed? What didn't I do correctly? What didn't I study hard enough? What didn't I do? Um, or maybe I'm just not good enough to to meet that same um, that same. I feel like a little bit stumped on this question, to be honest, because I feel like there's so many things that factor into it. Um, but I know Giselle's gonna have an awesome answer because you've been killing it and bringing up the rear here. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I don't know how. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, 
what am I what am I trying to say here? I think I'm trying to think of my most recent example. So I just made a huge jump, right? And my training is in civil engineering. And I'm now the director of technology at a sustainability firm. What? <laughs> like what how did that happen? Right. And 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 throughout that whole process, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I don't, I don't know if this I can't. I can't. No. And and I kept I'm like, I don't have the right qualifications for this or the right training or the right, but I had to kind of get over that and think to myself, I can, I can figure it out. I think back to Giselle's point, you're, you're figuring it out with the tools that you have. Um, and, but, but where I think the source of that is going back to something, I, you know, I think I said earlier about just this immense pressure to um, work harder to prove myself. And so there's a high for me it was like a higher risk of failure I guess like I felt like the 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 ability to fail felt felt closer to me than I think if if there was a, a guy in that position I'm not really sure maybe uh, if I'm making any sense yeah. uh, out of this but <laughs> I'll let Giselle knock this one out of the park because I know she's gonna <laughs> You're way too kind. Uh, so I guess I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, in my opinion. So for me, I think I've always kind of had that little bit of a perfection kind of thing. I just I had that growing up um, because when I was in high school, I mean, it wasn't the male cluster environment, right? It was it was a big mix. But yet I still had the perfectionist kind of thing. I, I was, uh, you know, I was getting straight A's and, and uh, you know, anything less than an A, you know, I couldn't have, you know, if there was certain rules that had to be followed, I had to follow it, you know, but I think going forward, though, um, in this career, in this industry, I think there's a little bit of an additional factor, which for me, I do notice that sometimes I am the only or the first or, or something like that, where I am the only woman in the room uh, in a big presentation with, you know, a lot of other guys. And, and even though I, I feel pretty confident in myself and what I have to offer, there's like just little bits in the back of my mind. They're like, wow, how did I get in here? You know, how did this happen? How did, how did this get to this point? So I think to kind of round it out a little bit, I think there's multiple multiple factors to this, but in the industry, if you are finding that you are the only in a situation or the first, it, it's kind of, it, it, it's an additional challenge because you're, you're seeing that, you know, you're, you're kind of standing out in a sense, uh, just due to representation alone on that. So I think in cases like that, I've been really trying to think of like, well, if you don't see an example to follow, well, you gotta be the example then. Like, what are you gonna do to set the example then? If you don't see one, what are you gonna do to, to make that path for someone else then who might be following you going forward? So that's, I think, to sum it up, I think it's multiple factors involved, in my opinion. Well, of course, I, I think it's not an easy, right? I mean, it's, I mean, different industries, different, culture, company cultures, um, you know, the personalities of the people within your teams and management type of deal. Um, so so kind of going off of Giselle's answer there, I'm going to skip a question here. And what do you think are some of the top challenges ahead for the next generation of female leaders? Probably some of the same challenges that we face today. Right? <laughs> 
I don't think it's gonna change that. I I hope it does. I'm I'm gonna probably be part of that that change management and team, but I don't know that it will. Uh, I think uh, definitely uh, still some gender bias, unfortunately. Uh, I think that that's still gonna be a challenge in in ten years from now. Uh, maybe not as much, but it's still going to be there. Uh, and then also finding that work-life balance, it, it's still a challenge um, for me. So I, I, I foresee that still happening for the next generation. I, for those that couldn't see, I cracked up when Stacy answered because I, I wrote out my, some responses last night to help get my thought process moving and my first sentence in this answer is, I think a lot of the same issues are cross-generational. <laughs> like it's, and it's, it's not yeah. funny, right? It's funny because yeah. it's, because we all are like recognize it, but it's not, it's, it's terrible. But, um, you know, I think that being talked over seems to be an experience shared by all generations. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's about being taken seriously. Are we being heard? Are dear, are, are our ideas getting the credit they deserve? Um, are we getting paid the same amount of money as people that are in the same as you know men that are in the same positions um you know and one of the biggest challenges for me is just knowing that we should have made so much more progress and we haven't and and i hear a lot of times i i think one issue is that a lot of people think we've made more progress than we have and so I'll get people all the time that are like, oh, well, we're so much more diverse now. We have so many more women. Well, first of all, that does not equate to diversity. Uh, and second of all, we're talking about like the bar was resting on the ground and now we've got, you know, so we went from maybe like 10 or 15% women to like 30 something percent. And when we talk about that, we're also talking mostly about white women because in our industry, you know, it's, so there's, so, so we're not even really touching a lot on the race um inequalities uh that are pervasive as well obviously so um so i think it's a matter of you know people need to take this seriously and understand that just because it looks a little bit better than it did in the 80s doesn't mean that we are better and that we're and that we're good and we solved this problem i mean there's still a lot of problems to solve and we need to fix this um yeah that's that's the challenges but I mean, going back to that, I think it's it's a it's being taken seriously. I think is one of the biggest challenges. It was mine, and I think it's still going to be there, unfortunately. So I think in terms of challenges that I see for the future, I, I agree. I think we're going to see the same kinds of challenges even going forward here. So I think one of the big ones that I had to think about was actually speaking up in meetings. And it sounds so crazy, but the thing is, if you have a lot of people that are really active in meetings and maybe you're a quieter type person, you might find that it is hard to actually present your ideas or to find a space to actually, you know, put, put your perspective into a meeting. And this can be even harder virtually, in my opinion, if the rest of your colleagues are like in an office and you're remote, you know, so that can happen too. So I think that's a challenge, um, finding a way to speak up. So I think we're really going to need to improve upon that in terms of if someone else is in the meeting and they see someone who's not contributing or they're trying to and they can't, then they say, well, 
Yes, Jenny, can you also, uh, you know, elaborate on something or do you have something to say or, or you know, even, even for guys, you know, Phil, can you please, uh, you know, tell us more about this? I, I noticed maybe you might have something to say. Something like that will give someone a window. Otherwise, I see when that doesn't happen, it's like you're trying to, you know, in me, in my case, I'm like, how do I get in? How do I say something, you know? So that's a challenge I see. Um, other challenges I see in the future is if uh, maybe particular in a, in a, you know, in the female uh, perspective, if you are finding yourself leading and taking initiative on something, and yet for some reason you might be thinking that someone else is just seeing it as just, you're just supporting something or whatever. No, bring up the facts. You are leading a project. You're gaining buy-in for things. You are making the progress. You got to stand in that expertise that you have if you are doing more so. Even if people don't see it, you have to see the value that you are bringing to the table. So I think that is another challenge going forward. And of course, the work-life balance, I think that's going to be a challenge uh, going forward too. I've got two kids. I, of course, have a career. And finding that sort of balance is always tough as well because, you know, when I first had kids, I had people that would assume that I would quit. And no offense to those that do, it's just not the life for me, you know? So uh, that is a challenge, I think, as well. So I think we're going to see the same kind of challenges, just to, you know, sum up my opinion there. Well, obviously, like we said, right, all of these challenges have been around forever. How, obviously this is a huge, a huge topic. It's gigantic, but I'm just curious. I'm just, just your thoughts. Like what are some of the, obviously we can't move mountain. We, I love to move a mountain, but we have to do micro steps, right? What do you guys think are some of the micro things that a company and, or I guess twofold, that a company needs to do to foster such a better, um, a better culture, right? So everybody feels equal. We all have the same advantage. We all have the same opportunities, regardless race, gender. You know, we all have the same opportunities, right? It doesn't matter who comes up with. If you want to hustle and do it, we're going to give you that opportunity. Um, but at the same time, though, just like as a as an up and comer female coming through the ranks. You know, what are some of the, the micro things that, you know, your thoughts on the culture of the company can do and thoughts as a professional can do to kind of navigate this a little bit better? Um, the, the challenges are always going to be there, obviously. I just don't know what kind of advice we can give. I, 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 I'm pitching this back to Danielle. So I'm not, I feel like these ladies have such great perspective on this topic. I really do. I really do. So I, I'm, I'm going to defer to them. Well, don't sell, sell yourself short, Stacey. Yeah. You've been, uh, I'm You've been still going to defer to the experts here. <laughs> <laughs> well, my answer to this is I could do a whole another hour long uh, podcast uh, on this answer. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I think it's about, oh God, here we go. I'm going to try not to get on a high horse here. And if I do, someone just like shove it out from under me. We have um, a few minutes left. So I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think the big things for organizations are um, accountability, transparency. Um, uh, the accountability for me is huge. I think that there's very little of that, or at least in my experience, um, in terms of, 
um, making sure that we are holding individuals accountable for what we claim to be the culture that we want at our company. I think a lot of times there's like seniority things that kind of get in the way of that. And it's like, well, you know, or this person brings in a lot of work, so we're not going to get rid of them. I'm like, yeah, well, they're poisoning the culture. So mm-hmm. what do you like, what matters more to you right now? Um, and, and, and as long as we allow those things to continue, this will be a pervasive problem, uh, in my opinion. So there's that. I think that there's um, be getting real about um, uh, your your statistics around around diversity. I think a lot of times we're like, oh, well, we have you know, like I said, thirty something percent women. Well, how many of those? If you're an engineering firm, how many of those women are in engineering roles? Or you know, I mean, there's a, there's a, a lot of times women are in a lot of support staff roles. And again, nothing wrong with that. Uh, Without admins, our companies would not function, <laughs> let's be honest. But um, it's just an interesting thing about what it, you're sending a message about value. Because if you, if you value certain uh, positions more and they're, but those positions are all filled by certain people that maybe start to look a little homogenous, you know, they think there's, that's, that continues the problem as well. And I think, what was the second part of your question? It was about what you can do individually to navigate Yeah, that? Yeah, just like as, you know, as a, like as a professional, right? You're in this environment. How do you make the best of it? Uh, I think, I think Giselle, you, or, I can't remember. One of you said it earlier about like getting um, support. Maybe it was Stacy, sorry. Stacey. About, yeah, having like people around that can support you, you know, building those, um, folks that you can vent to or that you can get advice from and, and navigate the workplace um, through those means. And in my experience, uh, I said, I'm starting an employee resource group. And I'm going to try to change the culture. So you can try to do that too, if you want, or get involved in, in one if there already is one at your company. And that support system can come from anyone that's like, Danielle and I met, when did, when did we meet, Danielle, in 2019 or 18? I think probably 18, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and, but since then, uh, since the time that we met, like, we still text each other about, you know, work stuff, non-work stuff. So that, that support system can come from anywhere. Right. Great. I think to piggyback on what uh, Stacy and Danielle are saying here, I think uh, what also could be done is also branch out more with uh, individual contributor roles as opposed to like purely only having um, you know people leadership roles because the thing is that people don't realize leaders can exist in multiple layers of an organization they don't have to have direct reports they can still be leaders mm-hmm. so I think uh, having more of the individual contributor roles as like a pathway going forward would offer more opportunities in that sense too, because some people, they might just totally shy away from it if they only see the pathway up as people management. So I think in case with me, like since I don't have direct reports, but I am, you know, higher up than what I was before, it's, I think it's still technically more of an individual contributor role and I enjoy it a lot. I, I get what I feel is almost the best of both worlds because I get a leadership aspect and component and I'm also doing my own work too. So I think having something like that available um, for a career path as well at various companies could be something that would be beneficial. And what I could do individually to help with that too is um, if 
there's uh, if there's something that you think could be improved, or uh, maybe like something where you're getting to know your um, your colleagues more. I've, I've started meetings like like weekly meetings and stuff where it's just like a fun chat where you're discussing like new tools, new developments, like fun things, you know, something to get people more involved and know that their expertise is valued and they're part of something going forward. So if you are in a forward thinking company that embraces that kind of stuff, then uh, yeah, feel free to do things like that to make the uh, environment better. Because it really does come down to that accountability of like, if this is what you're putting on your website for your kind of culture, then you really should, you know, be that culture then, you know, you gotta be accountable for that culture and that culture does involve you. So, yeah. All right, well, so we're at the hour. So I'm gonna skip a question and just get to the last one here for to respect your guys' time. What one piece of advice would you give to an aspiring female CAD BIM technology professional that has aspirations to be in management one day? Just one piece of advice? It could be many. <laughs> do you wanna do, do some more? Just some, a, piece of, no, a piece of advice. Uh, I, I think that there's this this piece of advice that I have is just it goes for you have a couple of questions, uh, Eric, that you sent us and I, about, you know, for future female technology leaders. So I'm going to kind of lump them both into the same question. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, taking care of selecting the people that you surround yourself with. I mean, I feel like that's one of those reoccurring themes that, that we've talked about over the last um, hour here. Just take care in selecting those people that you surround yourself with um, and to have passion for what you do and be kind to yourself. That is very hard for, for us females to do, uh, but be kind to yourself, definitely. Danielle? I had a similar answer again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all three. No, 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 no. I, but I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a, yeah, I'm good. But yes, finding people <laughs> that support you at all levels of the organization, building that group of folks that you can get advice from and whatnot is important. But I also want to say that I think it's important as you uh, try to move forward in your career, be clear about what you want um, in your career. And if after you're clear about it, uh, you still don't see that a path, you know, you still don't see a path forward for you, um, that the people that are supposed to be uh, working for you to have that path that you that you um, specified um, and asked for, if that's not happening, it's okay to look somewhere else because your time is valuable, you are valuable, find a place that knows that too. And make sure that the effort that you're putting in, because you're going to be putting in a lot of effort, is going to be rewarded. So, and if it's not, find a place that is going to make that effort um, worth it, is my advice. All right, my advice is to simply do the thing that is scary. Like put yourself out there. If there's a ridiculous challenge that you see before you, like just go for it. Put yourself out there, whether it's speaking up in a meeting, whether it's taking on a project that no one even wants to even get into, but to put yourself out there and do the thing that's scary because you'll see that more doors open, more opportunities are coming your way just because you tried with that. 
And I'm finding that in my career, when I've done things like that, some really great things have happened. And the confidence that comes from, not from perfect circumstances, but imperfect ones where you made your way through with, with your team and everything, those are the ones that really matter and I think really stick out as highlights for your own career. So sum it up, I'd, I'd say for me to do the thing that is scary because you might be surprised at what happens next. Well, ladies, I think this, thank you for, uh, for being a part of this. And, you know, if you're listening to this, this doesn't, this isn't just advice for aspiring females. For myself, you guys have given some great advice that for myself, I, I can leverage others around us listening to this can leverage. And it doesn't matter what gender you are, what position you're in. I think there were some great nuggets here that we could definitely take, take from this. So Ladies, thank you for being here again. Um, I'm honored that you, um, you know, you took the time out of your busy day to be uh, to be a part of this um, kickoff episode for the Women in CAD Masterclass. Um, anyway, thank you for your time, and we'll be it. And stay tuned for your episode to launch. Thanks, Eric. This was a thank ton you. of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, continue to challenge the status quo, be the leader you wish you had, don't be afraid to step into your greatness, and good luck in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.